This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Patterson Program, where you'll learn how to improve your health from the inside out. And now, your host, Clint Patterson. Thanks for joining us today. Today I've got a guest called Trinette. She's got a fabulous story to share about how far she's come in the last 18 months on the Patterson program. She's in cold Australia right now. How are you, Trinette? Great. Thanks, Clint. Now, let's do this in the way that I've been enjoying doing these recently, which is to kind of have a bit of a trailer at the top of the conversation so that people get an idea of what to expect for the rest of the call. Just give us a sort of a very short summary of how far you've come in the last 18 months. Okay, so in the last 18 months, I've come off all my medication. I'm pain-free, drug-free and full of energy. I started off at the beginning of my journey in 2005 on prednisone, which I was on for about eight months. And then I went straight onto the maximum methotrexate, which was, I think, 20 or 25 milligrams. And then uh, I, I came out of remission and I went on Plaquenil. And then a few years later, I came out of remission again and I went on Salfazalazine. So in all, I was on a triple drug therapy for close to 10 years. And I've gradually weaned off first the Plaquenil, then the Salfazalazine, and just a month ago, the Methotrexate. Well, congratulations. That is quite the achievement. Yes. <laughs> What's that Very feel exciting. like? Yeah, I never thought it. I never thought I'd say that, but yes, it's fantastic. And um, what's your doctor said throughout this whole process? Well, my first, my GP or my rheumatologist. Well, I stopped seeing my GP after I was seeing my rheumatologist. So, you know, I guess I'm asking about your rheumatologist. But if you saw yeah. your GP as well, then yeah, his opinion would be interesting. No, my GP. I live in country Queensland now. We moved here a while ago and um, he's lovely. He's very plant-based orientated himself. So he was excited with the results. But my original rheumatologist in 2005 was a dinosaur. He was lovely, but he was a European dinosaur. He questioned me about asking about side effects and, you know, all the terrible side effects that you get with methotrexate of possible bone cancer and photosensitivity to the sun and all these things. And he basically just said to me, do you want to walk? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to get well? And so I stopped asking him questions. He offered no natural therapies, no diet, nothing. And I listened to him in the beginning, even when my mother was saying, do you want to try something natural? I was saying, look, I just want to walk. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I'll do this. Yeah. But I had him for 10 years and then due to cigar smoking and other issues with him, he had to abruptly retire. So his health caused him to lose his ability to treat patients. Yeah. Yes. He basically sent us all uh, a week before my appointment, a letter saying that he could no longer practice. Wow. And then I found a new rheumatologist who's lovely in um, Brisbane and she's a female and she knows all about biome and plant-based. Fantastic. And I've been, I've been seeing her now for, you know, the last year. Yeah. And I've really only seen her twice in one Skype appointment and I'm better. That's an absolutely insanely good and unusual story. 
I know. It's totally the opposite totally the opposite of yours because you had it and then you wanted to have children. I just had two beautiful babies six months and two years yep. and then I got it. Okay, great. Okay, well, not great, but I'm just making a quick list of things that we can talk about. I've made a list um, based on what you've given me as little um, little chunks of discussion. Uh, one is the concept of remission. I want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Your GP and rheumatologist, I'd like, I'd like if you could actually. Uh, I mean, I don't think we're breaching any kind of privacy by basically. No. no, we might go ahead and say who they are, so that other people in your part of the world can chase them down. Especially if your rheumatologist does Skype calls, they could get inundated. Uh, she could get inundated with Skype calls because. One thing that we are completely bereft of in our support community and and broader community is rheumatologists who are sympathetic, compassionate, and supportive of a plant-based diet for healing, not because it doesn't work, just because of an unfamiliarity. It's just too too outside of their education and training. So that's exciting. And I want to talk about also the onset of when you got it because, yeah, very, very common for it to happen shortly after giving birth and we'll learn more mm. about that. So that's that's really, really interesting. Now, so let's, let, yeah, let's uh, not to step on your story, but yeah, before I go on my little rants on these topics, t- tell us what, now you're in a wonderful position and in the past, I've felt that on some discussions we've spent too long hearing people's stories and not not enough valuable information about what can people who are listening learn from you in their own journey mm-hmm. having you having been through this process what were some of the more challenging components or what were some of the the additional learnings or adjustments you had to make unique to you that people might learn from uh, do some come to mind yeah well remember a while ago you did a podcast and you were saying, you know, I can't understand anyone that the celery and cucumber juice fast wouldn't work for. They must have had a seriously bad gut. Do you remember that? Oh, well, I and say I that all the time. I say that all the time. So you, yeah, what I happened? didn't have a bad gut. We've all, my husband and I have always eaten home meals. We don't go out very much. We've got two young children and they eat very well. I think it was just all the sugar and coffee uh, and champagne probably that I detoxed <laughs> from. Champagne. Um, but yep. for two days I had stomach cramps and diarrhea and I was so sick and my mum who's done many cleanses said to me, look, it's just you releasing your toxins, your taste buds will change, it's worth it, push through. And that was really tough, the stringy celery and cucumber juices. But I did it for two days and I think if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have got that reset. It is so worth it to do that, two days of that juice fast. Mm-hmm. And after that I never had a craving for coffee or sugar or anything ever again. Mm. And I, I've gotten friends and family onto the Patterson program now, and they'll quite often say, couldn't we just skip the juice fast? And I'd say, look, you could, but for me, that changed my life. I, it was a total reset of my body doing that. I had no cravings for anything ever again. Wow. Wow. That's, uh... And I am, not, I am not a veggie fruit girl, yep. never have been, and suddenly here I am wolfing down yeah. sweet potato soup and yeah. I want to eat fruit and vegetables all the time. I'm eating handfuls of kale at the moment. Just just love the crunch of kale. Wow. And wow. my husband just ribs me and says, ah, look at you. You have to eat this for the rest of your life. And I'm like, it's delicious. Well, your mum really played a big role for you because your mum has said to you the same things that I would have said to you if I had that proximity with you, which is that your body does change its taste buds once it goes through a process where the 
where the gut bacteria change because what we what you appreciate and what I think is good for our audience to to be reminded of is that when we give different sorts of food to the bacteria then the bacteria changes in accordance to what's going to thrive and what's going to fade away if good bacteria want fiber and resistant starch and that's what we put in our body then they're going to do well and pathogenic microbes that don't do well on those things are going to die off and you're going to get that really tough experience that you experience but this is what i love is when people have a tough time during the cleanse it's almost for me like such an exciting response because i know they're going to have massive improvements because they're so out of whack Right. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. my mum and my my mum and my, my husband and my kids were just such cheerleaders for me in that first three or four days, saying, "Mum, you know, you need to do this. You need to push through. It's worth it." Yep. You've seen. I'd I'd watched your success stories, and um, and I I said, "Yes, I know. This is the last chance. I can't keep doing this for twelve years. You know, I can't keep going." And mum just said, "You know, just get through the cleanse." Get through the toxins. Once you can eat some solid food, you'll be right. And she was just absolutely right. And, of course, she's been on the Patterson program nearly a year now. Wow. Wow. That's so cool. Has your mum experienced uh, health improvements of her own? Yes. Kind? Yeah, she's got an autoimmune disease. She has Graves' disease. Mm-hmm. And she also had uh, hip replacement surgery, but she was still getting pain. And when she saw how much improvement I'd made on the Patterson program, she just she just did it and the cleanse was easy for her. Mm-hmm. And then my mother-in-law, who's on her third round of breast cancer, just had a full mastectomy. Mm-hmm. She's fully plant-based and on Patterson program now for about six months. Wow. Wow. Well, we know we know outside of whatever we call this particular approach, the program as we've been describing it, is just a, a unique set of foods that addresses the gut in a specific way and in a specific order and accommodates a specific set of supplements and an exercise emphasis and an alkalizing emphasis. And, but if we just take away like the little world that we're in, which is the, the, the strict version of a plant-based diet, and we just look at plant-based in general, we know that the studies support that for cancer and, and reduction of all diseases in general. So, so cool to hear that about your mum. Gee, no. she, she has no pain. She, I mean, my mum's very young and she's very vibrant and everything, but she's just, yeah, it's a whole new lease of life and my mother-in-law's loving it. And then my sister came back from London after 10-plus years yep. and she saw my mother-in-law enjoying it and now she's been on the Patterson program a few months. So, Christmas this year was really easy because <laughs> everyone was plant-based and on the Patterson program. We get so excited. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? That's fantastic. Fantastic. Are you eating from the uh, or are your family members eating from the optimal health recipe guide that Melissa put together that isn't sort of part of the, the, the sequence for RA, but it's the way that now Melissa and I eat? I mean, there's a whole recipe book in your materials that you may have not yes. even noticed. Oh, you've... you've yeah, it's like 15. I think after being on it for 16 months now, like when I started, I was asking mum, why am I doing this? You know, when I'm yeah. cleansing, why is this occurring? And mum was explaining it to me. And and now that I've had it so long, I used to Google rheumatoid arthritis. Now I Google plant-based. Right, so right. So I'm yeah. on McDougal Friends on Facebook. Yeah. I like Ella Woodward, Deliciously Ella Cookbook. Oh, yeah, Deliciously She's Ella. completely yeah. plant-based. 
Yeah. So I think we all swap recipes. We all make things. We all, you know, which almond milk do you like? Are you making your own almond milk? So we've become yeah. quite foodies and and we all get that the celery and the pineapple and all the certain foods won't work for some people. But for me, celery and cucumber and fresh turmeric and those things are just a no-brainer and so easy to whack in a juice in the morning. Right. And do you have any problems with the turmeric with bench tops or things? You just be extra careful so that it doesn't stay in your bench tops, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's just so yummy and so good in a juice. So, I don't even taste the celery and cucumber anymore because I just put turmeric and a little bit of ginger in that. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. So, And my kids drink that. And every morning we have a kale and banana and whatever fruit we've got smoothie every single morning. All of us have a green smoothie. Wow, wow. Well, that's going to set you up for your whole day. See, what, like if people incorporate that into their daily meals or as an, as an addition to their daily meals, it kind of allows so much more mistakes. You see, it's kind of like you've basically paid your insurance for the day intestinally <laughs> and then you can make some mistakes and you know you're covered by your insurance. Mm. And I know the McDougal followers don't like smoothies and I I know certain people don't like certain things and they think you shouldn't pulverise your food or drink it. But honestly, for kids especially, they're not going to eat a whole bowl of kale. But you put that in and put in a little bit of pineapple or a little bit of mango, which we've got so much of in Queensland right now, and they don't know. They just think it's a pretty green and it tastes like mango and they drink it. But you put in kale, sometimes I put in some maca, some chai seeds. They don't know. That's awesome. They just drink it. Yeah. So. I've got a few friends and family that are testing the waters. Uh-huh. And I say just start by taking away a little dairy, a little meat, and start with a green smoothie every day. Replace the cereal and milk we all used to have yep. and just have a green smoothie. Because yep. my hubby is probably about 80% plant-based and he yep. only has green smoothies now. Okay. Well, that's uh, he's on the path. He's going to get there. But it wasn't easy, Clint. The challenges at the beginning of the program are not easy to eat that way and there is ridicule and there is a lot of people wanting you to fail and a lot of people saying, oh, that's not going to work. But certainly not from Louise, my rheumatologist. She said, look, there's a lot of research on the biome and in years to come we might find that gut bacteria and things do have something to do with autoimmune diseases. But at the moment I'd be very, very nervous to take you off medication completely Yeah. following this protocol. Sure, sure. But she did. Yeah, yeah. Well, she wouldn't have done that unless the evidence was there. So your C-reactive protein must have been well below five for her to feel that there was a safety buffer there for you to come off those drugs. Mm -hmm. The whole time I saw her, it was always five or below. And then when I went and saw her last month, it was one. Okay. Well, there you go. There you go. And I actually found that it wasn't until I got my C-reactive protein below one until I felt totally pain-free. I found mm. that C-reactive protein between one and five, which is considered acceptable or normal, uh, I was still experiencing niggles and little bits and pieces just in the little joints like my fingers and, and here and there. Mm. So I think that it's good for us both to uh, agree that just because you get the CRP to normal range, doesn't mean that it's always a pain-free existence. No, and the ESR, it's all over the shop. But my GP and my rheumatologist have both said we follow the CRP more than the ESR. You could have a cut on your finger. You could have a bit of a cold coming on and things. It's not the most accurate for us. And given that the last, you know, 12 months, your CRP has been 
five and under, that's more of an indicator to us. Yeah, especially if in the past your CRP was very high. Sometimes, yeah, see, it's good as a relative indicator. It's not so much good Mm -hmm. as an absolute indicator. If you take one person with CRP5 and the next person with CRP5, one could be in a wheelchair and can barely move their arm due to swelling, and the other one could be pretty good. Mm -hmm. But then if the person with CRP5 then goes from, well, well, if either of them um, then change in state, you can then use their measurements compared to their earlier measurements and measure whether or not they're improving or not. And I think that, you know, it, what have you, do you, do you have records of how bad your, how high yours was in the past? Um, no, but I know my ESR was always between 40 and 60 and I know my CRP was very high. And when I first got sent to the doctors in 2005 to go and um, find out what was wrong with me, my hands wouldn't open and my feet were like walking on icicles. Yeah. My husband was very, very worried. Yeah. And I was breastfeeding, breastfeeding two babies, 22 months old and eight months, you know, and they sent me for a lupus test. Yeah. But it came back with 90 plus percent of RA factor. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's explore some more ways that we can help listeners right now. So what really sounded beneficial for you was the support network you had in close proximity, which was your husband and your kids and your mum. They sounded really, really helpful. Yes. What else really helped you? Did you exercise? Were there any other things that you did in addition to uh, the, the standard process? Um, I did do exercise. We have nine acres property with horses, so awesome. that keeps us busy because we yeah. moved from the city to the country to give our kids that life. Um, yeah. So, And we have a double, this house is a double-story Queenslander, so cleaning yeah. it's great exercise yeah but i do do brisk walks i i do go swimming a lot in summer it's very hot out here 41 degrees so i go swimming a lot in summer but i think the thing that got me through the the hard starts of it and you know pushing on and even when i was in still excruciating pain still and coming off the methotrexate and thinking is it the program is it the methotrexate you're always questioning yourself Mm. I stopped researching rheumatoid arthritis and I just kept watching you. I just kept watching your stories. I just kept – and Joe Cross. I love Joe Cross mm-hmm. from Fats. Yeah. He's nearly dead. So both of you, so inspiring, seeing your smiling face, watching videos, that got me through. But also, Clint, I have a son with autism and I got diagnosed with autism when he was eight months old, uh, with rheumatoid when he was eight months old, and he got diagnosed with autism at four. So within two years, our whole family changed. You know, we went from a young 30-something couple with two beautiful kids to suddenly my wife's got a debilitating disease and I've been told her lifespan will be shortened and she's going to be on cancer drugs, having to abrupt wean her babies, which Mm. I did. And then my son wasn't talking until he was four and he got diagnosed with autism. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge Huge journey, again, going to psychologists who are exactly like rheumatologists and say, he'll never talk, he'll never love you, he'll never he'll never do anything, put him in a home, focus on your daughter who's fine. Oh, you seriously, you seriously said that? They said that? I've got that? it in a transcript. I've got it in her letter to us. She said he'll never show us any love, he'll never be anything, he has autism. So... I focused on autism for 10 years. I think I have a PhD in it. I've met Temple Grandin. I've met so many of the people that are high up in the autism world. 
And my son's in grade seven at high school this year. He just got up on parade and made a speech about attending a sports day. He sings in the choir. He is so loving and so beautiful that pushing for him and doing that really gave me the courage and strength for the Patterson program because if I'd stayed on those drugs and I kept doing that, my lifespan would have been incredibly shortened. I had no energy for him. It's, Mummy, is it your medicine day? Yes, sweetheart, Mummy's got to go to bed. She feels like a zombie because she's on methotrexate and she's going to vomit. For 10 years, I thought, no, they're teenagers now. It's time to do something. And if we could fight for him and he got results, then it's time to fight for me and get results so we can be a family again. And just not having that metallic taste in my mouth, <laughs> being able to walk and what you say, being a 20, I didn't have that ever have that come down either. I just always felt brain fogged yeah. and lived on caramel lattes and just got through the day. Wow. And now mm-hmm. I get up, have a green smoothie, go for a walk, go say hello to my horses, take my kids to school. And we own a country supermarket, go out, see my customers, talk to them. We have a lot of plant-based products in our store. So I think I had a lot of inspiration from my son's journey with autism for this journey with plant-based. And I thought, come on, if this is a kid that can do that and fight through all the sensory and anxiety and everything to get to where he is, then I can do this too. Mm. And I have. I've got a husband. I've been with my partner for 20 years and he just was such a cheerleader. And when I came off the drugs, I think he cried like he cried when I gave birth, and like he cried when I was diagnosed. And I think when I rang him in from Brisbane and said, honey, I'm off the drugs, he was quiet. And I said, are you crying? He's like, no, no, no. But I think he was because he said, you did it, babe. You go and buy something nice. And I said, thank you. And that, you know, that makes it all worthwhile. And to come home and have my son saying, is mummy all better? And me saying, mummy's all better, babe. She's all better. That was just so worth it. And Lids gave me a high five, my teenage daughter, and said, mum, you are so cool. And I said, thank you. And anywhere we go now, she gets a little kick out of saying, no, mum can't have that. She's vegan. My, mom, <laughs> my mum's a vegan. Vegan. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, that is just wonderful. My little uh, three-and-a-half-year-old Angelina, who you just met before yeah. we started recording, she's hilarious. She, she'll get offered something at a, at a kid's party and she'll turn to me and say, Daddy, is this vegan? And I'll say, oh, look, honey, I'm not sure. And so, you know, it's just she, she has this strict kind of like rules now. She hears us talking about it. So, you know, it's, it's incredible what the kids can pick up. Your, she'll watch your podcast down the track and she'll go, Daddy even said then. I love her, but she's not having ice cream. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. She did have a coconut ice cream bar tonight. You know, we're not crazy strict with her. Like, you know, she's not suffering from a a crippling disease with shocking leaky gut and stuff. So she'll have what we have for dinner tonight. We have tonight she had uh, like brown lentils with rice. She had avocado, fresh avocado, and she had sweet potato and potatoes. And she had some cantaloupe, as my wife calls it, which is rock melon, as we know rock it. Rock melon. Um, and yeah, then afterwards, she, she ate all her food, and so we gave her a, a coconut, uh, little little coconut kid-size ice cream bar, you know, a yeah. coconut stuff. So, you know, that's that's what she gets. And she, she doesn't feel like she's missing out on anything, nor is she. She's only missing out on her. sickness, so she doesn't get the sicknesses. She's the most energetic kid of all. She's above, mm. you know, just you, you can't even fault her, her health and happiness. So, um, yeah, it's um, 
It's great, isn't it, when the kids are on board and uh, everyone's and, on board. And then the more you do it, like they say, children learn from example and yep. everything's a learnt behaviour. Where do they learn bullying? Where do they learn these things? Well, they learn good, healthy eating habits. And even though my kids are teenagers and I started this later in life, it's kind of good because they see now the changes in it and what it's doing and they don't mind it so much. Saxon can't have as much as we have because he has his autism food sensitivities. Sure. Yep. But he really does try. He has a fresh Joe Cross juice every day and yeah. he loves them and I'll whack in a bit of celery. Bit of, yeah. He doesn't know and he'll have that. He has a probiotic every day because yeah. one day autism might be linked to the gut. Yeah. He only eats homemade food so he yeah. won't eat anything that I haven't cooked. Yeah. I well, don't know why but he won't. Hey, when did so, you um, – how much of – I don't expect the answer to be uh, like massive but, but did – how much of his improvements do you think have been dietary related or was it just the nurturing and the love and care and the effort that you put in to help his his development? I mean, do you think there was a part in that or for people who may know someone with autism, was it something else? It, I think it's love and trust is the number one thing. Um, you love them and they trust you and then you get through to them. Because for four years he bit and scratched and pinched me and was trying to tell me, I can't talk, I'm frustrated, don't put that food in my mouth. And after two years of ABA therapy and intervention and that two years of him being taught how to walk and talk and toilet train and all that, when he finally said, you know, delicious in the most perfect enunciation and he he speaks in every accent now because he does a thing called echolalia so he speaks like Peppa Pig and everything's I'm stepped in the mood oh what a very pretty dress and he does all these funny voices and things but when he didn't I had to trust because I've been an nanny my whole life Clint I love kids and I already had Lily and she was 22 months and she said to me at three like Angelina she's very switched on she said mum the speech therapy isn't working he isn't talking Come on. And I thought it's time to get a diagnosis. And I think if you love them and treat them as my favourite author, Ellen Nortburn, you've got to have that book if you're an autism mum, 10 things every child with autism wishes you knew. First and foremost, they're a child. So we have taught him manners. If he's naughty, he gets in trouble. If he's good, he gets rewarded. We have taught him even when he didn't want to and he'd put his hands over his ears and hide under a table, he had to come out to social things, birthday parties. Mm-hmm. We loved him like a child. Lily loved him like a child. And I think the love and the trust comes. Mm-hmm. And then the diet, just keep it simple. Yeah. So many of them have sensory issues and that, but if you can keep it home home cooked, home cooked not processed, as much plants no. as you can. And, uh, much cleaner and yeah. much that way. Like he doesn't eat anything crunchy, so he doesn't eat chips or things. He doesn't like the sound of it or the smell of it. Right. He doesn't eat chocolates or lollies really. He His treat is a, a bit of ice cream, usually a sorbet actually, usually a strawberry sorbet. Yep. He loves his juice. Um, but, you know, he, he eats Western food as well. Mm-hmm. But I say with the autism it's, it's the love and it's the trust. Okay. Don't be afraid of them. Not everyone is Rain Man. They're all different. I have so many friends of kids with autism and they're all different. And it, inside they're all just kids. Mm, yeah. And every time I meet one of Saxon's teachers and I introduce him and I see that little bit of fear, I say you've got to let that go because 
kids are like with autism are like horses they can smell fear yeah, and he'll just on. have it all yeah. over you yeah yeah you yeah. just want to treat him like a normal kid if he's naughty he goes outside the room for 10 minutes and do that and it was the same for me with my plant-based people would say aren't you no one's yeah. around aren't you just tempted to just have a bite <laughs> of that pizza i know you yeah. love pizza come yeah. on i said who am i kidding i'm only kidding myself yeah and you don't know what it's like to be able to not close your hands. I couldn't make a fist a year ago. Never being able to make a fist, you know, and mm-hmm. no, that's not a life. And having Saxon the way he was, that wasn't a life. Absolutely. But now he runs around here and horse rides and he has a life now just because I believed in him. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, family and love for this program and for autism, for anything that requires work, yeah. you need that support system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you can't find it in your family, then get it out of your family. Like get on the Patterson Forum, get on McDougal Friends, That's get it. the help and support you need because at the end of the day it's your body and you have to ride it. That's right. We only get the one body and uh, when it breaks down, I mean, I've got some damage. I've got a damaged knee, I've got damaged left and right elbow, and that stuff is going to continue to create little niggles for me for the rest of my life. Uh, just It's just osteoritic sort of stuff, you know. And um, if there I, are war wounds. They're war wounds, that's right. And if I hadn't of intervened dramatically the way I did, then that stuff would have just went on and on and on and I would have massive deformities and I would still have the inflammation and that would still be... Or I would be on that, that medication, you know, a lily pad jumping experience where that doesn't work and you go there and you go there because the whole time your, your gut's messed up and it can't tolerate the drug properly so it doesn't work properly. And the whole thing comes back to our gut and healing on the inside just lets everything uh, work better, not just the digestion of our food, but the drugs that we're on do seem to do better and we are just therefore more likely to get an ideal outcome. So you've got an audience right now. We'll go out to several thousand people on just the podcast and we'll probably reach 50,000 on Facebook when I promote this. What would be some messages that you would like to share with people? What would be Here's your opportunity to to reach out to people who are perhaps on the fence or skeptical or I mean what what do you feel that the right message to people would be? Just life's not a dress rehearsal. You've only got this life and you're not living a full life the way you are right now. You think you are and you take the tablets and you go through your week and you dredge your rheumatologist appointment. I couldn't sleep the night before and then I'd be there the whole time having butterflies and then I'd leave and it'd either be the good or bad. That's not a life. Uh, a life is so different if you give this a go. It's it's so different. And, yes, it's it's a bit of a change at the beginning, but, by gosh, and I have had every woman in town, I think, say to me, what have you done? Your skin is so good. You know, your hair is so shiny. You've lost 10 kilos, which, by the way, I didn't need to do because I'm quite tall and thin anyway, but that was a bonus. What have you done, Trini? What have you done? What's the secret? I'm like, you know I've got rheumatoid arthritis. So I found Clint Patterson and they're like, can we do Clint Patterson? Is he like Weight Watchers? I'm like, he's better than Weight Watchers because this isn't a diet. This is a program. This is a way of eating. And in the beginning I would say to people, oh, I'm on this strict diet. I can't have that. I can't have that. And my husband would just reframe it totally and say, you're not on a diet. It's a program. You can have rock melon you can have pawpaw you can have as much potatoes as you want stop saying can't and say can 
And that's what I'd recommend people to say. Let go of the can'ts and look at the can. There's so many beautiful foods out there, so many beautiful recipes, you know. And I look at people with their shopping trolleys now and I just think, oh, my gosh, I was just – and with the methotrexate, eh? I was just in another world, another world. And plus I didn't like being the victim. I didn't like people saying, oh, poor you, you've got a son with autism and you've got this debilitating disease. I didn't want that. I like when people say to me now, my God, look at you just skipping around. My customers, what's happening? You're in Converse now and you're running around. I'm like, yep, I got with the program. What program? Clint Patterson, look it up, Facebook. Clint Patterson, rheumatoid arthritis. And they're like, okay, and now they'll come to me. I'm I'm trying that program. It's really not too bad. You know, that's what I'd recommend. Just get through the first few days and do it. And at the end of the day, it's so cheap and you've got nothing to lose except more days. And you don't have many days, especially if you're like us with kids. Mm. Oh, that's right. That disappears. You just, you know, get through the day and then suddenly it's another week, a month's gone by. Yes. Well, this has been uh, this has been very very enjoyable to uh, sit and hear your wonderful story. You know, this isn't a game for me. This is this is lives. This is you know, you and I have connected in in the most unusual manner through basically the internet, isn't it? The internet has enabled the sharing of information like never before, and yes. it's it's there's no reason why someone can't go and follow the same process that you went through. And look, no. results vary. Um, we know that some people uh, take longer. It's, there's so many variable factors. But I'm yet to meet someone who doesn't do the program in full, who doesn't improve. And if there is someone who's very bitter, the one in several thousand people who's listening to this and says it didn't work to me, work for me. Well, the reason is there was one of the fundamental do not dos that they have broken. It's either they yes. they either don't or don't want, can't exercise. It's that they are under medicated, so the inflammation is so great in their body that that only fasting can pull it down because it's just so high. So they're just under medicated, or they're on the wrong drugs. They're on a drug that causes a lot of gut inflammation, prednisone antibiotics or non steroidal anti inflammatories, and it's just it's working against them. Yeah, or they. Uh, they're just not actually eating the foods that are recommended. And there's a couple of other ways of, of, of failing, but normally that covers 95% of the people who say it didn't work is because they're actually not doing it correctly. And then the last 5%, take it to another level. I had to do Bikram yoga every single day and take maximum dose methotrexate. You've done the hard right? yards. That, that, that's why you deserve this, Clint, because you've done the hard yards. Uh, there was no, not a day, not a moment of easiness in, in my journey. It was, no. it was, I was the hardest case that I have worked with. And I would add that the other thing maybe that's not working for, for people if they are doing it is maybe oils, like you said yeah. with Melissa in the beginning. Yeah. Oils really are so bad for us and refined sugars. Check your labels, check everything, you know. I've yet to find in Australia a wrap that I can eat that doesn't have an oil in it. Yeah, yeah. I don't have whole foods. I don't have what they have in America. But here in Australia, no. I make my own pizza brace with wholemeal spelt flour because everything has oil in it. Check for oil. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's not good for us. And the other thing probably is your mindset. You have to know you're going to succeed. You have to see yourself at the end of the journey succeeding. That's what I did every day. Mm-hmm. I see myself going to my rheumatologist and she'd say, you know what, Jeanette, 
let's just get you off methotrexate. But she was even more surprising. She had my blood test printed out on the table. And I said, oh, um, what's going on here, Louise? And she said, I think you're going to want to keep these. And I'm like, what's going on? She said, your CRP is one. It's been four, five, three, one. I think you're going to want to frame this. And I'm going to say something that I know I didn't say. And I said, oh, my God, are you proposing to me? She's like, basically, yes. <laughs> you can come off your medication. You don't have to take that methotrexate anymore. And the beautiful thing about Louise is she really wanted to know what methotrexate felt like. And I told her, it's terrible metallic taste always feeling sick and nauseous in that tummy and taking six or seven tablets a day it's like a water bath in your stomach how could you ever want to continue doing that when you can have a green smoothie and go out in the sunshine oh, there you go that's a quotable there's a comparison there's a comparison <laughs> that's right i don't have tablets in my tummy rolling around anymore i hmm. don't feel sick all the time i don't no matter what i ate i always had that metal taste my hair was falling out, yeah, and I was still in pain. Unlike you, I have one little toe on on my foot that's completely curled under. Yeah, I have uh, one on my feet that's a bit splayed. They're war wounds, but I'm not having any more. No more. Mm-hmm. You've got you've got to start now. It's as easy as starting right now. Just start. Make a start. And you can't do a little bit at a time. I think you really do have to just make a decision, and that's going to be it. Well, I also agree with that. And, you know, the easing the way into the process, which some people recommend for plant-based when they're not in a rheumatoid situation. I know that Dr. Uh, Michael Clapper, when he spoke at my event in uh, in Sydney, no, I apologise, it wasn't at my event. It was an event the next night that I went and watched him speak at. It was to a general health, general audience where he had a different, yes. different audience. He spoke about yes. how you might want to slowly transition into plant-based and he talked about the the dramatic shift between if you're on a really bad Western version of the Western diet and then you hit 100% plant-based, you can really like, you know, it's like putting the car from forward to reverse at a, at a high pace. It's just such a, a change to the system. Um, and he said, you know, you could ease into it. But what I love above everything else, I just love results. I want someone to say, oh, my God, this is like taking a huge dose of pregnisone and what I've actually done is just eliminate all the crap and do and and eat tons of salad and some simple simple foods right and the effects that they can get I want a shock factor to wake them up so that they then keep going and easing into it doesn't give you that sudden sense of there's hope there's a future for me uh, at the end of this and there is a uh, uh, a path forward here that I can trust so that's why I like the shock factor and the sudden turn on, you know. I, I like those yeah. detox symptoms you talked about at the start of our conversation. I want people to be, you know, getting them. And that's why I say take those days off. Sit at home. It's the only chance you're ever going to get on this program where I don't want you to exercise. Just sit down, watch TV, watch DVDs. You're going to feel great after a couple of days and away you go. That's right. It's so worth it. Every bit of it is worth it. And every every family member having tears well up in their eyes when I told them I came off medication, every family and friend member getting so excited when they saw me for the first time, maybe I hadn't seen them for six months on the Patterson program, they're just like, oh, my God, walking, no more. I'll need to wear only my Birkenstocks. No, now I can wear Converse. I can wear closed-in shoes again. I don't feel like I'm on icicles and my hair is grabbing things. Pincer grips again. 
you know, I could never do that because my thumb, uh, it's all gone. And it, I'll never forget it, ever forget it because it's like childbirth. Oh, it's forgotten. You'll never forget it. <laughs> never will. But I would love to prevent my kids getting that disease. Well, that's right. And that's that's a motivator for us all to, to stay on the straight and narrow. You know, I've got no desire, first of all, to go and eat the foods that we know aren't helpful for, for our health. Um, but at the same time, why? Why would I want to do that? Why on earth would you go and start playing with fire again when you just got burnt to a crisp and almost died from a huge flame? I mean, you would just stay away from matches, wouldn't you? And so that's what mm. I, I, you know, I feel repulsed by the concept of going and and uh, and and testing the waters. You know, I'd like to be able to say, hey, I can go and eat whatever I want, but A, I don't know if that's true, and B, mm. I don't want to find out. I'm happy in my bubble of happiness and pain-free and joyful existence, <laughs> right? And I like- they do. Yeah. They do always ask you that straight away as soon as you say, so are you cured? I say, no, there's no such thing as cure. That's what Clint said, and there's no such thing as remission because that's what doctors tell us drugs do to us, and it's true. I was in remission four or five times, and I was at the stage with my old rheumatologist where he was saying, okay, now look, Trinette, you've been on this for 10 years. I think we need to start looking at biologics, and that's when I was like, I'm out, I'm out. I am not doing that. And I was very, very, very on a rough surface with my rheumatologist as it was. I questioned everything. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm still getting deformities with this drug and it's making me really sick and, oh, I don't hear that. And I didn't know that was that side effect. And whereas when I went to Louise, I said to her, I would do anything and that's why I'm doing this. And yeah. she said, oh, I didn't know methotrexate was so terrible. Can I prescribe something to take away the nausea? And I said, look, I've tried calcianate i've tried all these ones before to get rid of the nausea it doesn't help it's you know it, at the end of the day it's a cytotoxic drug mm-hmm. yeah it's you know, a, and it's a chemotherapy it once a week. yeah it's chemotherapy so uh, let's talk about your I'm, I'm sure people be mad at us if we don't say who your rheumatologist and gp are so that people can reach out to them even if it's just a name and a a location so they can search for them online. I might go a little further and after we're done, I might get you to email me maybe a, a, a like a, a, the receptionist number or something in case people want to try and get hold of them. Mm. Yeah, so my GP in Dolby, I live in Dolby, which is two and a half hours from Brisbane, an hour from um, Toowoomba, is Dr. Kevin Lynch. And he is fantastic. Just recently, um, he said, so I'm going to show you and I'll need you to sign this form that I'm taking methotrexate off your list so that if you're in a car accident or something happens, oh, yeah. it no longer says yep. you are on an immunosuppressive drug. Mm, interesting. Because every time I would go to someone that wasn't him, they'd say, oh, she's on an immunosuppressive drug. Quick, antibiotics. Oh, I don't think it's that bad a cold, is it? Oh, but you're on, you've got an autoimmune disease. We better put you on the antibiotics. Right. And he said, let's get that immunosuppressive label off. Let's get the yeah. methotrexate off. Yeah. But then in saying that, he said, but unfortunately, you've got a skin cancer on your head I have to remove and a skin cancer on your ear I have to remove because of all the years of methotrexate and the photosensitivity. And you're going to have to be really careful from now on. And he knew that I wore hats out here and long sleeve shirts and I wear rashes in the surf. 
And he said, I'm sorry, but he is a methotrexate. That's what it does to your skin. And you've got two skin cancers just from the prolonged use of it. Mm. You know, there's so many of the, all of these little delicacies, all of these, when you see a list of the side effects of these medications, you think, ah, oh, you know, they probably are just covering themselves from a lawsuit. So they list everything. But after talking to so many people for so long about these things, one person has one of them every time, whether it be, you know, what you've just described from the photosensitivity. And of course, I mm-hmm. ha- had that experience as well. And then, you know, and they, yeah. they put you on then the antibiotics. Uh, it's a complete mess when you get the immunosuppressant situation. Then they put you on the antibiotics because you've got something and your immune system's been suppressed. But then the antibiotics do more damage to your gut. And the whole thing is a mess. Taking one step in that direction unless it's um, a necessary step, not just like a, uh, a sort of a, a, a step because you don't know any better, um, mm. you know, it leads to other consequences. And so this and it's is- a step yeah. they, it's a step they take too because I don't think they know any better. Sure, you sure. Know? No one's doing anything because, nasty. And or, I yeah. rarely, rarely got better taking the, the antibiotics. The good thing about my old rheumatologist he would say to me, if you get a really bad upper respiratory infection, and once I did get pneumonia out here and I rang him on his private mobile and he spoke to Kevin Lynch and he said, if you get to that stage, you come off all methotrexate that week and even the next week if you need to because you can't fight that being on that. And I said, did you just hear what you said? You can't fight that being on that. So when I'm unhealthy, I can't take methotrexate. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, I'm yeah. well aware of this. Yeah, one of our loved and 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 celebrated members, uh, Ellen, who was on a podcast, she did two episodes with us several months ago. She always uh, talks to her doctor when she has uh, a chest infection, which isn't often. And yeah, the uh, the direction from her doctor to her has been in the past: look, you got to stop methotrexate for a while because you need to be able to fight and that infection. So, you know, again, that's just a unique one-to-one conversation and that's not for everyone to go and do they need to talk to their doctor but the point being is that it's hard to fight when you've got one hand tied behind your back isn't it and you've always said that you know we're taking drugs that make us tired and make us ill to fight a disease that makes us tired and makes us ill that's right how are you supposed to live so so this this is a no-brainer as far as i'm concerned And also uh, they said to me, the psychologist said to my husband and I, "Uh, Saxon, there's no cure for him. When I saw what causes it then, how did he get autism? We have no family history of mental illness or autism anywhere in the family. How does he get it? We don't know. How do you cure it? We don't know. And it was exactly the same conversation two months earlier with my rheumatologist, my husband in tears saying, is my wife going to have a shortened life? How did it come about? Perhaps it was having babies so close. Perhaps it was this. Perhaps it was she had glandular fever in year 12. And how do we cure this then? Well, how long does she have to take these tablets? How long does she have to do this? Oh, no, there's no cure. We don't know what causes it or what cures it. And then two months later we go to the psychologist and he says the same thing about our son. Mm. So we said these people don't know what causes it. They don't know what cure is. So they're not going to tell me what path I'm going to take. They don't know it. Mm. So I'm going to find my own path. Mm. And and people in Dolby and some people on the internet have said, you should have your own blog about this, Jeanette, and help people and share your recipes because I bake a lot and a lot mm. of plant-based now. 
Please do. For the kids, me. Mm, get it going. And, and I said, look, I really, I would really love to blog about this and everything, but I would rather blog about autism, especially the way it is in Australia at the moment. I really would prefer to spend my energy blogging about autism and there's so many wonderful things about it and so many things you can do. I, I don't even see it as a disability. It's a difference. It, my son will never, ever bully anyone. He'll never yeah. swear. He'll never steal. He'll never do anything. It's not in his – he doesn't have an ego, so it, it's not in his way of thinking to do that. But there will be people on the Patterson program that will cheat and they will blame you for it. He'll never do that. He'll tell you, Mum, that boy swore, that's naughty. And I'll say, that is naughty. Why did he do that? And I'll say, he must be cross at something. He learns, he needs to learn how to calm down. And I said, yeah, he needs to take five. He really does. (laughs) I can see that you've been looking after kids for a long time. (laughs) You're great. Kids are amazing. If, if, If my son was diagnosed with juvenile arthritis like that beautiful boy you had on that time, that would be the path I went down that that mum went on yeah. 100%. Christine and 100% Kyle. Yeah. I'd put him on the Patterson program 100%. Yeah. Because look at all the time we've spent with our disease and all these adults and now we've got these war wounds. Yeah. I doubt that boy will have very many. No, he's great. We're going to get him on again soon, Christine. I've been Wolves. meaning to. Yeah, we'll do an update after a year or it's been a little more than a year and uh, I know he's doing great, so it'll be great to do a recap. All right. Well, we could go on forever. And I think that it's good that we spend a lot of time talking about this because, you know, in my position, sometimes I'm not insensitive to the relentless criticism from people who are constantly trying to pull down successes of others and the work that I do because they just don't want to accept that the responsibility to a great extent lies with them. And they've tried to make tiny changes to their diet, which don't work. We know that tiny changes don't work when you're up against Goliath. You need to make equal and opposite changes as powerful as the disease itself to combat it. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. there's so much negativity with the disease. So many people with the condition are skeptical or or disenchanted with the message I have because they feel that it's it's not possible. And so, you know, we just got to get this message out there and got to keep encouraging people and and slowly, uh, with enough swell from people like yourself who've influenced so many people around them, we can make a difference. That's what I said to my friends and my family. Oh, no, Clint's moved to Florida. That's another rock star that's left our country. I said he's like Heath Ledger, Nicole Kidman, all that. He, he's just dealing with the tall poppies in Australia that don't believe him. And, you know, so he'll go to America and they will treat him as a god, as he should be. Well, actually, and we just didn't appreciate him. No, it's not true. No, um, that that I know that that culture and and mentality can exist, but uh, no, back home I've been invited. I've basically spoken at all of the health events that I can in Australia. I've I've done it all. And your wife's American. Wife's American. Your the wife's on, American. the only reason we're here is is for my wife's family. We're not here. Uh, what we're doing is uh, we're trying to grow our our business here in the states. Yeah. But we have we have retained our Australian roots, and uh, and and we'll be here for the moment, and we'll just just see. I've got lots of speaking jobs lined up over here in the states, and going mm. to uh, enjoy seeing some different parts of this country which I've never seen before, and meeting a lot of uh, people on this side of the side of the Pacific. And uh, yeah, I'm so excited for you. You're going to have such a great time. It's like Joe Cross, and he comes back to Sydney, and then he goes to New York, and I think it's a great great way i think you've done the absolute right thing and you've already spoken at veg fest which is huge 
Yeah, 40,000 people at Veggie Fest, and yeah. that was phenomenal. I mean, to see a turnout yeah. of people on that scale, it just also gives me a wake-up as to how big this country is. I mean, 40,000 people, that's like a rock concert, and they were all just there to listen to talks about how to get healthier and to eat, and boy, did they eat, the the, the uh, vegetarian food. And it was, uh, it was like, wow. And people were slimmer than the average American group that you see. I mean, I, I looked around and thought, what's different about this group? They're, they're happy because this is a, it's a festival, so people are influenced by the environment. But they're slimmer. You know, we look like a, yeah, people look, look good, you know, and people are happy. And that's, that's, that's not bad if you're happy and you look good. Yeah, and they'll love you because you're an Aussie and you're always smiling and, no, I think it's the best thing. I think you'll be great and the girls will love it and then they can have both. And I know Melissa must have missed her family and she's like my husband. She's been a rock for you the whole time and now it's time to celebrate your successes together and be together. And uh, when we went to New York the, for our honeymoon, the people were so positive there and so happy. So I wish you luck. Thank you. But I'll yeah. still always say to people, my program's Australian. Yeah. Clint Patterson's Australian, go to his page because, you know, they assume that, oh, this must be an American thing or some fad yeah. thing you got off the internet. No. Yeah. And actually after people have watched your TEDx talks, that's just a that's just a winner, that TEDx talk. Yeah, then they're just of, sold straight away. A lot of people have told me that. It's kind of the, the, the turning point. As people have said they've watched that particular video and it's just changed everything for them and that was the start so you know i try and encourage people to watch that first when they jump on our free mailing list and you know there's a whole queue of emails that they then receive and 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 help them for free if they don't have the means for the small amount of money to 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 do the process in full uh in the in the way that it's laid out they can still learn so much from that and in the very first email it's like hey first thing you got to do is just watch this just see what i went through so you can see that this this is this is the real deal but I just wanted to uh, mention, you know, you talked about Americans and then we then we should, I suppose we should stop chatting. You talk about Americans and, and, and where you see this the most in, uh, in the receptiveness and the mindset of the American public is as a performer and doing stand-up comedy. Of course, that's something <laughs> I've been doing for a very long time. Yeah. When I've performed in the States, and I spoke about this with my good friend Joel, who was best, best man at my wedding, and... Joel and I have been doing comedy for like 17 years side by sort of together in, and have parallel careers. American audiences, when you take the stage, doesn't matter where you're from in the world, they want you to do well. They are behind you. You're, you're already, you're innocent, right? And you walked on stage and they want you to, they want you to make them laugh and they're, and they're, and they're up for it. They want you to succeed. When you yeah. walk on stage in Australia, there's a there's a sense in the room that everyone has their arms folded and a bit of a frown on their face is this guy going to be good or or is this going to suck right and they they you kind of have this feeling like you have to you're guilty until you prove yourself innocent in Australia on stage and that's what's so nice about whether it's like a performance over here or or a public talk over here is that they Americans are good at supporting other people, and it's something. It's a lesson that we can learn um, back home, and uh, it's most obvious when you walk onto a to a lot of enthusiasm to a comedy audience. Doesn't matter where you are in the country, it's like that. And uh, back home, it's uh, it's it's a little bit harder to to get the ball rolling once you kick off your set. <laughs> so anyway, 
we got we went all over the place in this conversation, didn't That's we? That's all right. Yeah. So, and my and my rheumatologist. Yes. If you want to write it down, yep. is Dr. Louise McCormack. You know, I've have you emailed her name to me in the past because that does sound familiar. Maybe. And, maybe, some, and okay. she's at Arthritis Care at Dutton Park, Brisbane. Arthritis Care. Okay, can you email me that? What I'll do is I'll just actually put links to both your GP, Dr. Lynch, and also to Dr. McCormack on the show notes of this episode so people can just go pattersonprogram.com and uh, we will have your episode at the top of the page or they can search for Trinette and you will come up and they can uh, they can watch and read the transcription of this and get the links directly from there. So thanks so much for doing this. I know I've been in the dark the whole time, so people watching this on YouTube, if you've made it this far, and I look like I'm sort of trying to, uh, you know, escape from a um, some kind of dark kind of environment, then I apologise. It's not the most visually pleasing episode that we've done, but I reckon it's the most uh, uplifting, uh, or at least, you know, we've got a lot of uplifting ones, but it's been fun, put it that way. And the best bit was speaking to Angelina about Frozen at the beginning and her daddy and wanting her to keep reading. Because that was your goal, Clint. That was your goal, to have a baby and you've got your little girl and you were so busy reading her a story yeah. that we nearly didn't have this. And I think that's just... That's right. That's the end goal. That's the end goal. That's right. We've reached I, it. I, I was telling, I was recounting step-by-step step the entire Frozen movie for her during dinner. And <laughs> Do you do we the voices? So, we were so engaged. When we got to, of course, when we got to Let It Go, then I pulled out the phone I let her watch Let It Go and... Uh, yeah, no, we got to. Um, yeah, we actually got through the whole thing, and that's what I was doing. And I forgot the timing of our of our call. But it, yes, it is a, certainly a pleasure. And Melissa wants a third child. We've got Angelina and Ariel, and she wants yeah. to have a third. And I'm I'm hoping yeah. that it's a boy. But if it's not, it's meant to be a girl. And and she'll yes. she'll she like the other two will help us continue this message throughout their lives too. Oh yes, definitely. Mm. Yeah, so, they'll be your little cheerleaders. Let's do something else in the future. You've got the sort of uh, uh, story and energy and charisma and 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 so forth. So I'd like to. I, I'm looking at doing an an online kind of like a uh, basically hold an event online where people come and we have actual guest speakers. But those guest speakers will be people like yourself. So I'd like to extend that offer to you if you'd like to do something like that with me down the track, and we can make it mm. a big event. People can for a couple of days just watch talk after talk after talk. And and I think that would be awesome, and I I think you'd be wonderful at, at being one of our speakers. Thanks, Clint. That'd be wonderful. Alrighty. Well, you continue just to be happy and healthy, and uh, I look forward to uh, to speaking with you down the track about those things, and and maybe see you next time we come back to uh, to Australia. Okay. All right. Have Thanks, a wonderful Clint. rest of your day. Have a wonderful night. Okay. See bye, you. bye, Jeanette. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. been listening to the Pattison Program. For more information, visit pattisonprogram.com.